And hello, good evening. Welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast um, here at Blue Royalty. So probably the first of not typically what you'd not be used to. You still hear the same sounds on your airwaves, but just maybe not the same voices together. Um, the World Cup has started, as we all know. Uh, Jesse's flown out to Australia to, to, to go and take in the wonders of, of, of this wonderful World Cup. But that means, because of time differences, we probably won't be able to record at the same time. So, for the next one month, you're going to be hearing me once a week, and you're probably going to be hearing Jesse once a week on two separate episodes with different guests. We'll react to matches, the Chelsea players that are playing in them, the Chelsea players that are not playing in them, and then kind of anything else that happens in the world of Chelsea. Because, well, you 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 know, Chelsea are just that club that, you know, anything happens at any point, they don't really care about what else is happening in the world because it's Chelsea. So um, it is what it is. So for, you know, our first, well, my first hosting episode in, in, in a hot minute, I've uh, I've had to I had to call out the bat bat signal now and uh, you know I, I thought let me let me let me bring it close to home and and I and I got the services of Mr. Ollie Glanville. So how are you doing, sir? Love to be here, my man. Always <laughs> ready to hear the call. Great, great. How, how have you how have you enjoyed day one of the World Cup? It's a lot of drama. It's a lot of drama there. Both hosts winning. Like it's not happened in a long, long time. Maybe ever. Intense, intense. I mean, those games were uh, pretty intense. So I will I will say that the. Um, and we were just talking about this. The, uh, the the timings are quite odd for everyone, I would assume. So, but you know what? We'll make it work. Sleep is the thing of the past. Nobody cares about sleep, I guess. Uh, Australians and New Zealanders, the Kiwis don't care about our sleep. So, I, I, I guess we can move on from there. But good set of games today. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll touch on that later. We'll touch on that later. But first. I think the most important thing to do is I think we gotta address some rumors. I think I think we all love the rumor mill. We all love the transfer. We all love the gossip. And just when we thought Chelsea were done with their business, just when we thought they were like, all right, squad set. Emma Hayes has done her work early, brought in all the players. Nope. Suddenly, Mexican media decides to say, you know what? Just one more. And we have been heavily linked with Mia Fischel, um, the American striker who currently is residing in uh, in Mexico. Um, and the Athletic have kind of confirmed this uh, post-fact. Also, it, it looks like something that may just come across the line sooner rather than later. But listen, Oli, first reaction, kind of first, what did you think of the links and, and, and the potential signing of Mia Fischel coming into to, to Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, it's summer in the UK, right? Um, it's a lovely time for a spot of fishing. Um, <laughs> we know that's one of her favorite hobbies, according to her UCLA, UCLA profile. So that's good as well. Nickname Big Fish. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's exactly the kind of profile you're looking for as that kind of youthful backup striker. We'll get into it more, but she kind of reminds me in terms of stylistically as a sort of almost a, a Russo type, um, maybe aspects of a, a Sam there as well. Um, but there's like a lot to build on. There's a really nice base to work with. And yeah, she's got really impressive figures in her like year and a bit in Mexico, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, she was she's one of those players that I think US women's national team fans and, and, and other NWSL fans have been kind of calling out for as a potential 
you know, starter for the U.S. Women's National Team, but Vlatko seems to be uh, uh, ignoring those calls and pretending like she doesn't exist just because she's playing outside of uh, a top team, it seems like. Uh, maybe he knows something that we don't, but kind of everything else points to uh, to quite 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 the quite the stats there. So I mean, listen, she's you touched on it there a bit of Russo, bit of Sam in in terms of the way she, uh, you know, the way she plays. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, she's just very much in terms of a profile, a very shot heavy, has a decent amount of goals per ninety. You know, um, loves to be in and around the opposition penalty area. I think her her stats at uh, Tigres uh, kind of rank her in like the 90th plus percentile of opposition touches uh, so he touches in the opposition penalty area um you know and and, and a few and a bit of you know, shots per 90 is pretty much up there goals per 90 is pretty high i mean albeit yes this is part of the um the mexican league but i mean to some extent that does translate over into into, into other leagues and, and kind of demonstrates the the general strengths that that you know we can expect from uh from mia um but what were for you is probably the most exciting part of her game that you're probably looking forward to most and and kind of what do you think would do you think that aspect that whatever you pick is is going to be how beneficial is that going to be for chelsea i think like obviously the obvious one is that in her rookie year she's got what 17 goals she won the golden boot but also there's like little like holistic or or mental things that I that I thought were really interesting, like reading up and and watching her her tape. Um was like the fact that she was fifth fifth overall pick, I think, in the 2022 draft for the NWSL and um for Orlando Pride. And she chose to go to Tigris. Um, and she like ran it by uh, Vlatko saying, you know, if I go down there, is are you still going to pick me, kind of thing? And he lied, but uh, she still went, she still went there, and and she absolutely tore up, right? The, especially the the first part of the season, she was scoring goals for fun, and that's clearly a part of her game that we're going to really, really value. That she doesn't she doesn't find scoring hard at all. Um, but I also feel like that profile almost like she's a strong runner is how I describe her. I wouldn't say she's like got the pace of, of uh, Sam Kerr, for instance, but once she gets going, she's quite hard to knock off the ball. And I think that's a really valuable asset, especially when you're coming to quite a physical league like the WSL. Um, you need to be able to like keep yourself, uh, you know, sturdy and, and manage those challenges that are going to come in from the likes of, you know, McCabe and, and co. So uh, as we saw in the World Cup today, um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where these kind of um, little niche aspects of a player all add up to the whole. And yeah, although you're going to look at those top line, you know, the kind of MPXG and the the shots per game and things like that, there's all those kind of off pitch and and in the head attributes that I really like in terms of looking at. Her. Yeah, no, I I think I agree with uh, with most of what most of what you said there. I think those 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 mental attributes that you kind of touched upon there. I think I think for when you're coming into a club like Chelsea and kind of playing with the players that you're playing at at Chelsea, having those strong attributes mentally to be able to know uh, where everybody is, you know, knowing where the goal is in relation to everybody else, and kind of being able to to link up and 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 being able to do that quickly, I think is such a an important aspect of of being able to play for Chelsea. 
um like you said she kind of goes wherever she goes she scores goals um she's become their you know their top goal scorer in the 22-23 season she's won the league there so it's it's she is coming with a winning mentality as well you know having won having won a title having been a top scorer having basically been the sam kerr of tigres to 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 you know to an extent and I think that leads us on to another question I think that probably needs to be answered. Why did Chelsea need her? I mean, is 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 this... I know it, there is a whole discussion we had about backup to Sam Kerr, but is this a good move for Mia Fischel herself? Like, do you, I mean, will she get the minutes that she needs? Um, you know, because there's that balance between well, Chelsea need a backup striker who has quality to, to rest Sam, and Sam is quite clearly the first choice. But what do you think the club has told me as saying that, look, if you come through, will, will they promise a certain amount of minutes or what do you think's in play? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, definitely. Because, you know, Sam is going to start if she's fit. I mean, that's just undeniable because you're talking about, you know, a, a Ballon d'Or worthy player. Um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of me, I think she backs herself, right? She she told the, <clears throat> the late, great Grant Wall that... Um, she wanted to be the best player in the world. She wanted to play for the US national team, but she also wanted to test herself in Europe. And I think if you're going to test yourself, you come to a league that is, you know, we like to think of the WSL as like the top level league in Europe, but it's not right now. It's ranked, you know, fourth or fifth. And the reality is that we need to push that quality up. And we're an aspirational league. We have some incredibly, uh, you know, top loaded clubs with immense quality, especially going forward. And I think Mia wants to test herself out there, right? She wants to test herself out against these better defences. Another thing I was going to say was that um, Tigris, they have the, um, they use the same stadium for the men's and women's teams, the same training complex. They treat their teams the same, right? So they have these massive crowds as well. And that will help her in terms of going through to uh, bigger attendances like at Stamford Bridge, for instance, or the Emirates, or potentially Old Trafford if United Women actually get to play <laughs> more this season. But yeah, so these are kind of little other things that you can you can count on for her. In terms of what the club have told her, I think it's part of a larger maybe tactic as a handover. Like we're looking across the team and you're looking at people like Bernabe, right? You're looking at her and thinking, well, we're stacked in this position. Why are you coming to us? There's clearly a tactic there where Paul Green or Emma are talking about a longer term vision about them becoming first choice in those positions. And, you know, as much as we love Sam, she's not going to be here forever. And at some point there will be a handover. It's not going to come anytime soon. But until that point, you need to build someone in her image. And Mia, you know, she's an inch taller. Um, <laughs> she has a couple of similar profile points. She's great in the air. She loves a back post header. So it's like there are these things that, yeah, I, th I think we're curating the best possible fit for what we have now and maybe with a long-term view to replacing them um and as emma always says you're not just buying players you're buying you know people and, and talents so it's the all-round aspect you have to buy yeah absolutely i mean the fact that she is just 22 years old and, and has scored uh 47 goals and 64 appearances for, for tigres and at ucla 32 in in, in 59 games i mean Goals has been part of her her career, and you know potentially you have 
a player that's going to be lining up alongside Trinity Rodman and Sophia Smith, you know, at the at the national team level, and and you know that's that's a stacked forward line for the U.S. in terms of strikers, considering uh, what they have. So I th- I think we've um, we've latched onto a long term replacement for Sam um, and someone who probably with will probably be happy with the minutes um, that she probably gets initially, um, and then slowly but surely get more of a role. And we've seen it right with injuries and things like that. How seasons can turn how things can move quickly and, 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 you know, suddenly you need, you know, you need that squad depth that you were so, you know, craving before you look at our goalkeeping situation. Like, we're like, why do we have like five goalkeepers? But then last season you had AKB out for a while and, you, you know, you were relying on Zichira and then you had to back up and now you have you know another five. So, you know, I, I can see it. I can see it being uh, a good move. So I'm, so, you know, I'm happy, but, 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 but this means we're probably going to have to get, two players out on loan or permanent next season. How do you think you know, the club's going to kind of work that one out? Because if you look at the list, right, you've got about eight homegrown players, which is fine. You probably need all of them for the, for the, for the rules. And then you've got a potential, like, loan list, which is made up of mainly the younger players, um, you know, question marks maybe on a couple of people, like, you know, um, Had Hampton being one, Georgia Fox, um, you know, being another, maybe Micah Hamano because she's had a really good season. Like, what do you do? Because you look at the non-homegrown players, the majority of them are your top level players that are probably going to start uh, and you can't really afford to get rid of any of them. Maybe besides Nikki Avrod, but again, the whole goalkeeping situation is weird. So kind of where do you think the club's going to go and, and what do you think is your idea of who the club will, will let go? Yeah, I mean, I have two. I have two probably groups of candidates. Ones that have been on loan. Yeah, goalkeepers. It's uh, <laughs> a bit of bluntly, like, I mean, we we talked about it. Obviously, AKV's health. Um, you know, we hope that she she'll have a a wonderful a wonderful time in the World Cup and she'll come back refreshed and have a brilliant season as as number one and and be the brilliant goalkeeper we know she is but there's a reason why we have so many goalkeepers right there's there's it's kind of dog eat dog at this point um there are now five we know that probably one or two maybe three uh could go out if if you include um emily i'd like with her new contract there's there's so much kind of up in the air in terms of the goalkeepers that i don't think you can look past that group um in terms of more established pros it's a tough one i mean you have the likes of anik right who who were out on loan um and they're coming back to a reasonably stacked defense uh one that doesn't look like it's gonna shift first choice defenders anytime soon um And and we know she we already have the capacity to send her out on loan as we did last season, and she she enjoyed herself there. So, yeah, I'd, you're kind of looking at these sort of fringe players now, especially with the players coming in. Um, yeah, I, I think Alsu Alsu probably goes as well. Uh, I think as much as we'd love to see her her first goal or you know <laughs> a, a, a kind of nice moment for her, I, th- I think you're looking at. Alsu as another one, and then 
again, you know, we'll come on to the likes of Rihanna Blades and and people like that, but there will be a number of youth loans as well because some of our youth players are just far too good for academy level and they deserve to play at our high level. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think I think, you know, we've got one of the best academies out there and, and when you look at the likes of Charlotte Wardlaw, Emma Thompson, Emily Orman, you know, uh Georgia Fox, Alsu, I mean, you just name it, they're all you know, younger players, kids that can probably go into slightly mid to lower tier teams and, and, and do a really good job and probably even start. I mean, we saw what the effect of having Aggie Beaver Jones at Everton was last season and, and though she didn't score as many goals in terms of goal contributions, she was still such an integral part of the way Everton played and really made an impact um that way. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think I think Alzu would probably be the one, you know, definitely go um, go out on loan. I think between Everard and Hampton, one of them will definitely go. So I think you, and, and you, I'm leaning towards Nikki Everard just because of the fact that it just, it solves half your problem of needing to get rid of two people. And then maybe keeping Hannah in for like, you know, okay, yeah, get used to the thing and, and give her a bit of time. But yeah, I think, I think from a, from a, that perspective, I think you go there. And then maybe looking at Anique, I would personally keep her around because I like her. I think I think she's she's done enough at Milan to, to, to get a thing. But you know, Jesse and I talked about this in the last episode, uh, during the previews of the World Cup. We're like, if she doesn't start for the Netherlands, then she just kind of falls, fades away a little bit in terms of recency bias uh, in front of Emma Hayes and everybody else to kind of while she had a good loan at Milan. If you don't play against the U.S., for example, and then the teams after that, you kind of get forgotten a little bit. Like, ah, oh, you know, yes, you were good, but you know, but if, you, if she plays and has a good performance, then you know, it, it kind of maybe puts a bit more pressure on. Do we? Do we not? Uh, of a situation. So we shall see. I mean, club has to have something in mind because there's no way they're signing these players and just going, yeah, you know, we'll figure out registration later. I mean, it's not like the men's team where we have like had like 51 players there and it was just like you know what we'll figure that it's a summer problem it's not a today it's not a january problem it's a, it's a july problem we'll, we'll figure this out in july and they did to be fair the club did so i just paul green emma hayes i believe in you so i know i think i you know what you're doing so anyway um we'll probably come back with with a with a much deeper dive on on me official uh if and when she signs um later in the month uh or so but for now i think we'll just take a quick ad break and we'll be right back okay so ollie wsl fixtures are out excited absolutely always man like i'm <laughs> already i'm already looking at you know getting tickets the first game you know the 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 uh announcements about who's gonna play at Stamford Bridge and yeah I'm always you know this has been the best version of Chelsea for the last however many years so looking forward to it man absolutely and I just I know it's been a little while since the season's been over but it just feels like the season just finished and we've already got the fixtures even though the first game doesn't kick off until the first of October I mean October like even if you, if you told me 30th of September, I'd still be like, all right, it's just it's just around the corner. It's in September. And then you tell me like first game is first of October. I'm like, we're not playing for another three months. Yeah, it just it 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 feels like it's getting closer just because we got all the signings, we have the, the fixture list out, and then we have a, a a small matter of a World Cup for the next one month, and preseason starts, and then you're like, it's just football, 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 which is crazy. 
but at the same time exciting nonetheless. But listen, we're going to talk about the WSL fixture list and um, it's, I mean, I mean, let's look, let's, let's get into it. And we'll come back to the Stanford Br- uh, bridge picks, uh, Stanford bridge picks in a second, but kind of listen, first thoughts on the schedule. What are your thoughts? What, what stands out to you? I think, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real mix, isn't it? There's, I mean, obviously you play every team home and away as, as Jesse always <laughs> says, so, and it's, it's a mix on how you get it, but yeah, city away second up is, uh, is an interesting one. It's kind of the, one of those where, um, a bit like for the men's team, we have Liverpool at home first up. You're a bit like, is it good to play these teams early and get it out of the way? Cause it, it's traditionally one of our hardest fixtures, right? So you probably want to have a great start against Spurs at Stamford Bridge. And then, yeah, you want to take that momentum into the City game and hope that, you know, a few of the City players are late back from the World Cup. And it's like so much of the first part of the season is going to be about conditioning and and like getting a great preseason uh, in. And that's why I'm so thankful that uh, Barcelona won the Champions League because you don't have to play the qualifiers as well. Um, there's going to be so much load management needed yeah. um, this summer. So, yeah, I, I, it's a real interesting one. But, yeah, United away last game of the season. That's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we what, we played United away. Oh, sorry, United at home a couple of seasons ago to win it. Obviously, there was that big 4-2 win. Uh, the guys and Jesse were... We're at the uh, we're at the game to watch it live, and you know, going up to going two 0 down and coming back to win it four two was was an intense moment, just you know, a great way to win the league. So you know what I say, bring it on, United! Let's bring it on. Though it's a small matter of it's away from home at the least Sports Village, not uh, not at, not at, not at Kings Meadow, so it's that small change. But you know what, if we're going into that last game with that to win, then I'm semi confident. I'm pretty confident that we'll we'll be able to deliver. I mean. For me, I'm more worried about the the start of the season. I mean, you said Spurs at home. It's a Stamford Bridge game. Um, you know, we we won it with an Aaron Cuthbert worldie last year. So uh, same sort of opponent, same thing. And a couple of seasons ago, it was Beth England with a screamer to do. So it's just that we just score screamers against Spurs at Stamford Bridge. It's just it's just the Chelsea thing. If we really want to go into this, the two players were blonde at the same time as well. So are we going to get another blonde player to score score another worldie? I, I don't know. I mean, Nuskin with her first goal of the season is just a worldie from, from outside the box. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a tough first couple of games and. I think it is probably better to play at least one big game in your first month just to get it out of the way. And you know what? I'm kind of glad it's away from home. I Obviously, later in the season when more things are in front of you and you can see what you need to do, having a home game is obviously much more of an advantage. This is, I don't want to say it's a free hit because the WSL is not a free hit. Like Every game counts. But we lost against Arsenal a couple of seasons ago at the Emirates in the first game of the season and still went on to win the title. Right, because points are there to be dropped by everybody. So, and City have been consistently inconsistent in the way they run the league, uh, you know, go every year. So you can probably bet on them doing that again this season. The fact that we have no qualify, like you said, for the Champions League, I think is a huge advantage. So even if we were to get a draw away from home at City in the first two games, it's a decent result. I'll take you tell me four points in the first two games, I'll take it. Not a problem. Though just don't give me three points at City and one point against Tottenham. I would rather have it the other way around. I don't want it that way. Um, 
And then and then you go into United and Brighton, who probably didn't have the best of seasons last last time, and both at home. So you have a nice end of October, um, November, December, and then you really don't play. Uh, you know, you play Villa in, in in November, and then you play Everton as well, who've been who've been two decently good mid mid table teams. And the only real game, big game after that is is Arsenal in December. So there's a good two months before championship rivals start start kicking in you know for us and then you have united so it's always it's nice that october december january february march you know is 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 you know one month every one game every month is a big game so i think it's it's well spaced out we don't actually have two against the top three teams in, in a single month so i think i think that's uh i think that's good so Kind of quickly onto the Stanford Bridge game. So obviously, like we said, first of October, first game of the season, Spurs is the first game we play at Stanford Bridge. We followed by Liverpool on in November on the nineteenth, and then we play United in Jan, and then we play Arsenal in March. I think those four games quite well picked. I think I think they they were good games to pick though. Liverpool, I think, what is it just to get revenge on them for beating us last year? I don't know. I would. Maybe have maybe I would have liked City instead of Liverpool or maybe even Villa. I wouldn't have mind Villa because they 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 become a decent side as well. But I'm not mad at it. What's your initial thoughts on 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 these games being picked? And and also not to forget that we'll probably play our Champions League games at Stamford Bridge as well. In addition to all of this, yeah, exactly. And I I think it's a nice spacing, right? It's um you know first up you get that kind of. Big hit uh, uh, against Spurs, hopefully, all things being considered. Although I'm hearing Jesse on my shoulder saying, get the loss out of the way early, get the loss out of the way early, because that's uh, <laughs> just what we do in the WSL. Um, <laughs> that can't happen. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a nice spacing, right? So we have, we have Spurs first up, and then it's another month until we come back to the bridge in terms of Liverpool, and then we wait until the turn of the year after the Champions League games to to uh, play United at the bridge. And then, yeah, you've got Arsenal, Arsenal in March. So it's it's a kind of nice spacing, right? And as as you touched on, we'll likely play our European games there, or at least maybe the latter stages, um, like knockout games, if we hopefully do get that far and all, all things being considered, we should. Um, so yeah, it's it's a like a nice way of, of managing it, I think. We can't underestimate as ever the king's meadow crowd and the king's meadow effect so i think it would be it'd be silly to not think about that in terms of momentum and as he touched on like we play a lot of the uh like bigger teams and bigger games um in the in the second half of the season as well so you've got to think about running chelsea and making sure we continue that momentum right so if the last game of the bridge is 17th of march then all the rest of those games, well, the last two are going to be at King's Meadow. So we just have to push through. <laughs> Fair enough. And kind of the last thing on this, if pick one game that you're most looking forward to out of the season. I kind of want to see how Bristol City um, turn up this season. Yeah, I'd, I'd, we'll see see how it goes. It's around Christmas time, Bristol City away. Yeah, I'm looking out for that one. Obviously. I'll be at Spurs first game of the yeah. season. So nice. we'll all look forward to that. But yeah. Of course. The the, the routine win, obviously. It's nice to get off to an easy start, you know. Uh, um, I think if I had to pick one, I, I, I kind of want to see United at home because 
the way they played last season, they they came obviously they came second and and then they did really really well. I want to see if they can continue the momentum and and kind of for us it then becomes a good test of um of of having to handle another top side because it used to just be City and Arsenal. Now you got to worry about United. And probably in the, in the same vein, I would say Villa ranked for me there as well. So it's that United Villa game. I think um, that I think I think will probably be bigger tests for me because with City and Arsenal, you know Chelsea will show up because they're they're big games. And not to say that United and Villa aren't big games, but I'm just curious to see second season in how Chelsea approach those two games and how those two games match up to us because they're equally a test for us in terms of where we're at. And it's because it's in early game in November and then in January it's kind of good to to figure points to see where do we stand after a month and after you know halfway through the season um all right cool so listen let's just take another quick ad break and then we'll be back and talk a little bit about the world cup and uh, maybe alone okay so we kind of referenced it earlier in the show but um it's world cup day world cup is kicked off um at this point maybe when you're when when you guys are uh when you guys are listening to it, it's 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 a couple of days in, uh, but uh, you know what? You know, Ollie, we were talking about this just before we started. Fun couple of games to start off with. Yes, they were only one nils, but there was some drama. There was, you know, it was there was nothing short of um, of entertainment in those first couple of ga- first couple of games. You had your 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 classic Katie McCabe controversy in there as well, just because. Katie McCabe needs to do that sort of thing. Probably the biggest news of the day, I think we need to start there first, was Sam Kerr injured for the first couple of games. Tony Gustafsson, kind of the coach of Australia, says, look, we have to be honest with you. You know, we said that she'll be out for two games. After that, we'll reassess it. Right now, we don't know and have what grade of injury it is. Um, So... Let's just hope it's not a it's not a it's not a big injury, but kind of that news coming out was was massive anyway. But Australia look managed to get the job done. What was your kind of reaction to um, to a Sam Kerr being out and then our ex uh, Chelsea player Ali Riley getting a win uh, in in the World Cup as well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, it was obviously a really sad uh, push alert that you get when it's like you know the, basically the star of the tournament, right? to go of the tournament sam kerr um is gonna miss at least two games and we're hoping it's it's only two because um we really hope she's back for uh nigeria which is the australia's last um group game um but yeah i mean her team got the job done she was on the sidelines uh in her bib um and she was emotional with the national anthem and obviously she'll have conflicting feelings there and because she was captain of course but the person who stood in for her uh stepped up and, and took the penalty so yeah fair play to steph catley there was a lot of pressure on her shoulders when she stepped up as a host nation to uh to take that and i don't think they would have scored otherwise like uh, it was it was a very strange kind of uh bitty game like frustrating for australia and they really missed sam obviously uh, in terms of new zealand like what a story right you know the um the ferns um stepping out uh after the opening ceremony and and yeah ali riley like um yeah a real a real uh model pro um part of a real back to the wall effort for new zealand and i was actually pretty impressed with how they held their own in terms of being a defensive unit and then getting their goal and just you know having something to hold on to it was kind of like a an fa cup throwback right like you you want the 
the minnow to get that uh, get that goal to hold on to. Otherwise, it's kind of a game over. But the other the other side, yeah, like it's just so frustrated for Guro. It's another another big tournament where Hegarisa seems to be like not deploying her the way he'd like. And it was no coincidence that Norway actually started creating when she was used in her actual position. Um, but yeah, I just unless unless Hegarisa comes up with a much better plan than just chuck talent on the field and hope for the best. They're just, yeah, Norway are just going to continue to flatter to deceive, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, first of all, like, I'm really happy for, for Ali to get that win. And, you know, we saw the emotions and then the, the, the positive memes coming out about her reaction pre-game, post-game, the interview. Really happy for New Zealand. Had a couple of friends uh, who were out there who don't really watch uh, football in general, but, you know, they're, they're, they're Kiwi and, and they were excited about the whole thing. So it was just great to see. And obviously, Australia, the stadium was packed, which was amazing to see. But, yeah, kind of touching on what you said about Norway and, 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 um, and Guro. It's just strange. Like, you know, you, you look at you look at the way they played. Blackstad did not have a good game at all from, from the minute go. And then, the, you know, when we started seeing Guru take up more wider spaces on the left uh, towards the end of the game, suddenly Norway had chances to create and Arda finally had some service um, for her. And, and, I, and I don't blame Arda Hegeberg in this game because I just felt like she was let down from the rest of her team. You you referenced it saying that a lot of that I think the front four had a less than sixty percent pass completion rate. I think Ingrid Ingrid Engen at one point was on forty five percent, which is you don't. I mean, if your number six is giving you that number, then you you're really way off the pace. And Hagaris is probably you know just just not found a way to to kind of knit this team together. I, I mean, they've got some work to do now because of New Zealand winning, you know, and Nigeria Canada tomorrow and all that. If suddenly teams are on three points pressure's on anybody can go through so uh you know it is what it is but you know what we'll keep you guys obviously posted on on other reaction to um to to the world cup and and in those episodes and we'll kind of discuss it more in depth but yeah it was just good to good to get the world cup out, off and running and and you know let's let the random timing games begin <laughs> um to kind of finish off i think a quick sort of mention now we've we've had a a confirmation of one of the outgoings in in the loans we're talking about, but Rihanna Blades has, has moved to to Lewis for the for the rest of the season in the championship. Um, they obviously took in Charlotte Wardlaw and played her a lot last season, but Emma Thompson didn't really get a look in when she was there. Is is this a good loan for Blades? You know, are they a good enough team to kind of prepare her? Because obviously we've had mixed results now with 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 Wardlaw and Thompson. Um, kind of, what's your initial thoughts on on this move for uh, for Blades? Yeah, I mean, we knew it was coming, right? Um, uh, you're talking about someone who, for the last four years, has just been kind of su supreme in her age group, part of a like immensely talented academy. You're talking about like Amy and Ashanti and uh, Keris and people like that who are all clearly destined for the top, um, and they need that next step. Um, Lewis is obviously a, a club with with a nice culture an inclusive culture and one that I think the club would handpick for that, that, uh, that reason, but also because she can be to use uh, Mia officials nickname. She could be a big fish there. Right. Um, <laughs> I had to bring it back. Man. I had to bring it back. Um, <laughs> she is to me, Rihanna is, is, is an immensely talented forward. Right. And I think that's something that she needs to expand upon. And the only way she's going to do that is to play at senior level. I think Lewis is a is an, a nice level where the expectation isn't super high. They're not expected to 
you know win their league or 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 get or get promoted necessarily but with her you know at the vanguard of of that attack maybe they can push up the league and, and surprise a few people so i think her role this year is going to be all about all about that development also experiencing the kind of more physical level of of that of, of that level of of game and the players she'll play against and also just you know keeping that momentum that she's had at youth level score that first goal and kick on from there right i think that's all part of the development absolutely and i think we'll, we'll keep a close eye on her when we come in for, for loan update episodes and, and kind of see how she's going over there um another quick kind of mention just before we, we finish off um academy defender saris brown has signed a, an extension with the club until the summer of 2024 uh, with an option to extend for one not really uh not really uh a, a typical extension you know going for a year with an option for another you know, is this kind of something that you think the club's learning about going, okay, we need to maybe look out because they're signing so many of these younger players. You know, we, we have that we saw the list. Is this maybe one of those? Okay. Is it really worth keeping the player around? Um, yeah. What do you, what did you think of this? Yeah. Again, I, it's interesting with Karis. I mean, she's, she's like a, she's defensively minded, right? She's a really versatile fullback. And I also think it's kind of a, a tactical play from the club because you have the likes of Georgia Fox who are returning from injury and we don't know the kind of state of her game at the moment. You have um, a lot of talent at that level uh, at fullback, but also with capability to move into a midfield or play inverted or things like that. Um, and then you have the likes of Bernabe who who are maybe a level above that, but at a similar age. So you, you have to kind of bring all these things as factors and i think we're kind of playing the long game here um it's a plus one because if she develops in the way that the club thinks she can uh because again she's part of this you know brilliant academy then you you sign off that automatic plus one and you've immediately got a player who can benefit the squad so yeah i think it, it's clever to do this um but also we have to think about squad management and as you say you know, we can't have the 51 players, even though she were count as homegrown. It's it's like one of those things where you have to think about the player's development as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of brings a thought. The, the men's side have kind of done this for the academy for the last decade or so, right? It's just bringing in these, these academy players, kind of playing them there, developing players. But obviously, you know, not everybody can make it. Do you think... You know, do the club have a plan? Do you think it's it's what is the club's kind of responsibility towards these players and kind of how do they keep everybody happy and how do they kind of develop them to a level where they can either be sold for profit or they actually make it into the first team? Do you think there is a pathway? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's all part of the set that that's part of the sell to the player, right? I don't think you know, Karis isn't stupid. She knows that there is a lot of competition in front of her, but she backs herself to beat those players out the same way Bernabe would, the same way Neve said that she would stay and, and try different positions. Jess, Jess Carter would fight uh, in terms of that versatility as well. So you do have to mention all these, all these pathways to these players, and they know that Chelsea is the best club in England. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's arguable. So you're, anywhere you go from Chelsea is going to be a step down, at least in England, right? So we will also offer the most planning in terms of how we treat players off the pitch as well. Um, you know, you think about Melly, you think about 
uh, AKB and, and other players in terms of Fran, like health issues as well. So there's all these other holistic values that the club have that you won't receive elsewhere. Like we all remember Lauren James having to uh, change in a portal at Man United because they didn't have the facilities and that's one of the top clubs in the women's game uh, in England so these are all things that you have to think about when you're going to turn pro as well because these are amateur players right they they want to turn pro as well so it's it's like it's slightly different to to the men's game in that uh, once you make it to a certain quality level you're likely to sign a, as a scholar but you're part of a larger churn of a larger system I think it would probably be fair to say. That makes, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. I think, I think the current kind of landscape is a little bit different to what the men's landscape is. So we can't, I don't think we can like carbon copy the same method, but um, there are things I think that we can, we can pick out and, and, and kind of use the same, but Hey, yo, it is what it is. Let's see how the club take it forward. But at least there is um, some sort of one club mentality coming through in terms of the way they want to develop everybody and, and kind of go from there. But I think that does it for us today. Thank you so much, Oliver, for coming on and, and, and being part of the, the show. You will be hearing him a little bit more in the next uh, one month. So I uh, ho- hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, keep Blue Flag flying high. <laughs>